welcome to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. Dr. Francisco Payadas has been selected as the new Director of Business Development at Spaceport America. Dr. Payadas joins the New Mexico Spaceport Authority from Sewell Ross State University and was the former Deputy Director for Economic Development at the city of Las Cruces. And he joins me now on the Xterra Podcast. Francisco, welcome. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for the invitation. My pleasure. Glad to have you with us today. And now, Spaceport America has established itself as kind of the premier spaceport, of uh, private spaceport for commercial spaceflight. So what can we expect from Spaceport America in the next couple of years? Well, what you can expect, Tom, is that we ramp up the activity of all the different things that we have going on at the spaceport. Uh, we have multiple tenants. We have multiple customers that are launching out of spaceport. Plus, um, probably the, the the anchor tenant and the most famous customer that we have is also expecting to ramp up the activity that they have going on at the spaceport. And this is being Virgin Galactic, and uh, we are excited. We're excited. We're open for business, and we're we're trying to get as much momentum as possible in order to have that space work be working and up and having a lot of activity going in there. In fact, uh, Virgin Galactic, I think, is planning, as we record this on Wednesday, they have a launch planned for tomorrow, for Thursday. Is, that, is the weather still looking good for that launch tomorrow? So far, so good, yes. And, and, and we'll, we'll be there to support them and we'll be there to, to have uh, the, the agency be as, as part of, of uh um, the, you know, the protocols and the process that we have going on, make sure that everything is good, maybe making sure that everything is, is good to go uh, for the safety aspects as well. So, so we'll be there uh, to support them and we'll be there to, to be part of their activity as well. But they don't have the kind of instantaneous launch window that uh, SpaceX, for instance, has to get to the International Space Station. It's just they, they open a launch window and says, we'll go when, when everything's ready to go. Correct. Correct. And 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 uh, multiple things uh, on the on the little time that I've been in the aerospace industry. One of the main aspects that I've learned is that this the only thing that is certain is that the, the, there's a lot of uncertainties, right? <laughs> so that's probably the, the 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 only thing that I know for sure is that there's a lot of things that can happen and could potentially uh, derail things and, and, and take it in, in a different direction. But yes, I mean, the, one of the key aspects of the aerospace industry, which is actually a, a, a very different industry in itself, is that um, there are multiple things that have to take place and there are multiple things that can happen, including weather, right? That right. might not necessarily take you to the place in which you want to take it. But for uh, everything so far looks good and we're, we're knocking on wood so that everything goes goes smoothly tomorrow. Well, I just have to tell you that I was at Cape Canaveral for the Crew-6 launch, for the first Crew-6 launch attempt. And I was out and that launch, of course, was scheduled at about uh, 1.50 in the morning. And mm. when they scrubbed the launch at two minutes and 18 seconds to launch and we're all standing out there in the on the cape at 1 45 in the morning saying what what <laughs> <laughs> so you just never know <laughs> you never know exactly you never know francisco tell us about your role there at spaceport america my role currently is the director of business development. So in the primary role, kind of like in the, in the general aspect, it has to do with three primary actions. I will actually put in like more four primary actions. 
The first one is, of course, bringing industry to the spaceport, bringing industry to the state of New Mexico, bringing industry to Sierra County and Doñana County, which are some of the main, main uh, providers that, that have made the spaceport possible even in the first place, right? Um, the aerospace related type of businesses, right? We're focusing mostly on the suborbital currently, right? The, the Spaceport America has uh, two licenses, one for horizontal launch and one for the vertical launch. We have a 12,000 foot facility, sorry, runway by 200 feet, right? So they, they, it's, it's, it's an amazing runway in which a lot of different aircraft can land in there. Uh, we also have a, a vertical launch area, right? And, and the vertical launch area is where we can launch some of the rockets and we can do, we have a very, we have several pads, uh, concrete pads that can help us for that. But one of the main ones that we have is the 200 by 200 foot pad and in which there's uh, one of our tenants actually currently launches out of there, which is up aerospace. And, and there are other tenants that have used it for multiple other aspects, right? So that we have a lot of that activity that is, um, we're mostly focused on the suborbital. We're currently working actually to bring in uh, the reentry license from the FAA. Mm -hmm. And this would allow us to bring other types of vehicles and actually start thinking about other potential customers that we can be thinking about in order to bring them to, to, to Spaceport America. If that happens, Tom, uh, Spaceport America is going to be the first one that has the three licenses in place, right? It's going to be the first one that has the vertical license from the FAA, the horizontal license from the FAA, and the reentry license from the FAA. So uh, uh, from the inland ports, right? I should probably say that from the inland ports because, you know, the big ones and, and, and the, the ones that are in the coasts, um, they, they have some advantages over us. But I think that probably the biggest advantage that we have is that we have, we're the only spaceport that shares that restricted airspace. So the restricted airspace uh, portion that that allows us to be very competitive, it, it comes because of uh, White Sands Missile Range, right? We're completely adjacent to White Sands Missile Range, and that allows us to coordinate with White Sands. We actually have an agreement with White Sands, uh, a memorandum of agreement. And from there, we can use their restricted airspace so long as we coordinate with them in order to make launches and the only other place in the nation that has that capacity, um, Tom, is actually at the White House. So we have those, only those two areas have restricted airspace. You're not going to see a flight. If you see that in like in the flight patterns, you just see a black spot right there that there's absolutely no flight that goes through there. And, and we share that, of course, because of White Sands. We're, again, immediately adjacent to White Sands. Now, one, one of the key factors as well is that we're in such a remote area that a lot of things, when, whenever, if something goes wrong, nothing goes wrong, right? Because it's it's completely remote. Um, I mean, we, we have that ability of operating in an area that there's there's not a lot of people in there. Um, and at the same time, it gives us the ability because we're one hour away from Las Cruces, right, which is the, the second largest city in the state of New Mexico. And we're 30 minutes away from Truth or Consequences, right, which is a, a very nice uh, town in New Mexico that has the, the hot springs and they have a lot of things that they have going on. So we have that ability of bringing workers. We have that ability of bringing businesses. We have that ability of commuting, right? You can you can come to the space for just drive one hour if you're coming from Cruces. And, and you, you can be there, right? It's two and a half hours away from Albuquerque. So it's centrally located in the state that it makes it very appealing 
But at the same time, we get to enjoy some of the benefits of being remote and in a restricted airspace that allows us to keep it with that. So that's one of the aspects that we have from the aerospace businesses, right? So trying to aim for the suborbitals, trying to aim at how can we build or create uh, some of the hypersonic corridors that we want to see as well. So we have we have those things going on and working with the FAA license for the reentry license. So we have that aspect going on on the on the aerospace side. From the non-aerospace side, we are also a very nice place for conducting a lot of different things, uh, a lot of different experiments that do not necessarily, uh, that, that would need a remote place to do these types of experiments, right? So we have uh, different customers that have used the different pads. Uh, we have uh, certain things that, that need to explode and things like that. I mean, that, that you need to control them, right? Sure. And, and, and we have, and, and we also conduct businesses with some of the companies that need to test their things and, and to see how they interact and gather the data and, and, and also be able to do some of those additional things. Uh, we also have, so, so we have the aerospace, the non-aerospace. We also, from the non-aerospace related business besides exploding certain things right i'm gonna probably cannot say much more than that uh, <laughs> but uh, the we also have a lot of um television right the, the the gateway to space you can you have seen the the imagery right there which is the hangar that the virgin galactic uses it, it's beautiful it, it you can you can shoot commercials you can shoot uh, movies so it, there's plenty of advantages that we have also from that side so we have the aerospace the non-aerospace as part of the business development section but as well as part of the business development section we are in charge of organizing along with our partners with um, the ESRA, right, which is the Experimental Science Rocket Association. Uh, ESRA, one of our main partners, is is uh, conducting the Spaceport America Cup. And the Spaceport America Cup, Tom, is coming up on um, the 19th, the week of the 19th to the 24th of June. And we are basically an area that just 150 teams all across the world come here to Spaceport, come here to Leo Las Cruces in New Mexico, and they launch their rockets out of Spaceport America. It has turned into such a big event, uh, Tom, that some countries have tried to replicate it in Portugal, in, in Mexico, in Turkey, but it's not even close to the number of the of uh, rocketeers that we have in our competition. So we have uh, one of our team members, Felicity Nevarez, she is the person that, that handles that from Spaceport America, she handles the cup. And, and we're excited about the, the cup that we have coming up on, on the 19th and then on the 24th, which probably you should actually like to show up and come over here and, and see the, what the excitement is about and see all the things that go that, that keep happening. Um, and then besides that, on the, on the aerospace, non-aerospace business, the cup, we also handle a lot of the relationship building, a lot of the public outreach, a lot of STEM tours and doing tours to the spaceport and the educational aspect and, and kind of like that outer face of the spaceport itself. So we do a lot of outreach. We do a lot of communications. We participate in a lot of committees and all of that uh, is basically under the business development section. So it's a big section with yeah. only four people on it. So it, we, we all have wear different hats and we try to keep as much as possible and so we're high paced but we're very very happy to be here well maybe in a couple of years we'll have enough budget we'll that have uh, enough budget can stuff uh, off for, the, um, for the the spaceport america's cup uh, tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into the world of space that's a that's a very interesting uh, perspective my background is i have a deformation as an economist Tom. I have a deformation as an economist. 
It's not a formation because it's actually a deformation. You start, you stop thinking normally, right? After after you study economics. So I, I my my bachelor's was in philosophy and economics from the University of Texas at El Paso. I finished my master's in science and economics from the University of Texas at El Paso. And then I finished my doctorate in economic development at New Mexico State University. Uh, for a long time, my focus was in doing research, right? I was a research assistant. Then I was doing research in multiple different topics from border economics to um, regional economic development to international economics to some topics even on, 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 on health economics and stuff like that. So I, I did a lot of research and I, I was mostly in the world of, of doing research and analysis. I also used to be a professor. Well, I still teach a, a few classes every now and then, but I, I, I moved more towards the academia side, right? But then after a while, I started looking at it. I was like, well, I think that I could be having a greater impact. So I, I started moving more towards the practical side of economic development. And I was hired at the city of Las Cruces first as an economist, right? Doing the analysis on economic impacts, fiscal impact analysis, cost-benefit analysis, as well as forecasting, things of that nature. But then I started moving more towards economic development itself. And at that point, it was an amazing period of time for me, right? It was, let's move away from the desk and let's start getting into the streets, right? Let's start having face-to-face -face time with the businesses, uh, talking to them, conducting with them, seeing what their worries are about, seeing how they you can be of their assistance. And, and that's when I started integrating myself into the world of economic development right plus the education and all of those aspects it was actually a very smooth transition i really really enjoyed my time at the city of las cruces in terms of economic development uh, we were working in workforce development issues we were working in business retention and expansion strategies we were working in how to attract businesses to the region so uh, that world is an amazing world in which i think i, I evolved very very nicely from it right so I, I, I really like talking to businesses, really like talking to agencies, really like talking about sites and connections to utilities and what is it that you need and how many people are you looking for and making calls and making connections. So that was my main aspect of this time. So when, when that happened, that's, that's probably one of the reasons of why I started integrating myself more into the space-related type of businesses. It was actually because of economic development, right? I had made some connections with some agencies. So there's an aerospace cluster manufacturing in Chihuahua City, right? And I knew the folks in Chihuahua City from the economic development side. So when I talked to them, I was like, oh, by the way, there's a spaceport here in New Mexico. So how can we make some connections happen? And back then, I didn't have any knowledge, right, of, of the space industry. So they, I went over there to Chihuahua City, see exactly what they were manufacturing, see exactly. They took me to some of the maquiladoras over there and see what were some of the activity that was going on. And my thought process was, why not integrating? Mexico currently doesn't have a spaceport, right? So they, they have all of the manufacturing. They have a lot of the design. They have a lot of different things but they have nowhere to test it so to me that's immediately a business idea okay why not doing some of the testing over here right in this commercially built spaceport that can happen here in new mexico right and then connecting with the industry in mexico so back then i was still in economic development at, with the city of las cruces so i contacted the people in spaceport america and i started making the connections so we ultimately long story short we ended up inviting some of the dignitaries from the state of Chihuahua, the Secretary of Economic Development, to come here to Spaceport America and look at some of the facilities and look at some of the things in which we could collaborate. So from there, uh, that's when I, I started moving more towards academia again. I, I, I got a very nice offer with, with Sul Ross State University. And, and that's when I moved back to academia for a little bit. 
But then uh, once Spaceport America actually announced this position and uh, in, in, in based on, on all of the previous work we had worked together in the past, I think that it was a great fit for me. And it's been an amazing um, seven, eight weeks, no, nine weeks that I've been working since 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 we started here. Well, I'm glad to have you on so early on in your career, and I hope we'll be able to talk again. I'm talking with Dr. Francisco Payadas, Director of Business Development on the Xterra podcast. Take a moment right now to click subscribe to be sure you don't miss any of the podcasts, or if you're watching on YouTube, any of the videos from Xterra, the Journal of Space Commerce. Francisco, as we talked about a little bit earlier, Virgin Galactic is ready to resume flights maybe as early as, as people uh, listen to this podcast on Thursday today. What does that mean for Spaceport America? A lot of activity, Tom. That's what it means, a lot of activity. We're, 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 the expectation is that activity is going to ramp up, that, if, if, if the, that the activity is actually coming up. So that is the expectation that, that we have. Um, actually, <clears throat> as, as we currently speak, we're, we're filling out some of the positions that we have available because the idea is precisely the level of activity that is not just from, from Virgin, right, which they, they, the, the, the success that they have with, with the launch um, starting from tomorrow, right, we'll, we'll start seeing a, a ramp up of activity, a ramp up of the airspace or the use of the airspace and more people coming into New Mexico, more people coming into Las Cruces or coming into TRC and starting actually to have an, a higher frequency of the number of individuals that would be out of launching out of Spaceport America. So you can expect a higher level of economic activity coming up. Uh, Tom, that's just from one customer, right? Which is from Virgin's perspective, plus all of the other customers that we have and that we're, we're, we're taking care of. So the expectation from Spaceport America is let's get going. Let's The level of work is just going to continue to increase. Let's keep it going. Let's keep the momentum building, actually. That's that's probably the key word that I want you to leave uh, for, for your listeners as well. Kind of like on that momentum aspect, right? About moving and improving on team. After that last Virgin Galactic flight, there was a deviation in the trajectory that was not communicated to the FAA due to an oversight. Now, the FAA investigated that and they cleared Virgin Galactic for flight. But as an FAA licensed launch facility, how have they been to work with? Uh, I'm talking about the FAA. Are they too conservative? Are they uh, supportive in what it is that you're doing? What has been your kind of interaction with the FAA? I think it's it's actually more in the aerospace side, so so with a, a separate section of the team. But the, we have a very good relationship with the FAA, Tom. So so I think that as especially as as the level of activity continues to increase, I mean we have built this relationship not just with them, but Virgin has also built this relationship with them, and uh, that has been happening throughout the years. So I think that the, it's it's a good perspective. It's actually a good vision that they have. Um, but, but of course, I cannot speak on behalf of them, right? But I, I would see it from our perspective that it's actually good. When you talk about new business development, everybody kind of divides the world right now into two, into pre-COVID and post-COVID. And mm -hmm. maybe we're forgetting about the whole two years in the middle where nothing was going on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what is it that you're seeing now as a business development person, as far as, as investments are concerned? Have, have people gotten more cautious? Have they gotten more conservative? Or are they ready to really get back into business? You know, it's interesting that you say that uh, right there, Tom, because 
from the perspective, you know, my, my deformation as economist, right? Sometimes there was some decreases from the private sector in terms of the investments, but the opposite started happening from the public sector, right? Especially as more activity with the space, sorry, with, with the space force started ramping up, special activity with uh, some of the conflicts that have happened with other countries, the Department of, of Defense started also. So the, the level, I think, of activity from the public side has also increased, and that helps a lot of the private companies themselves, right? So if your customer is DOD or if your customer is DOE or if your customer is NASA, those levels of activity for those companies are going to continue to increase. So as we see, right, if, if the level of activity from the government and the public side start increasing, well, that rises the level of activity for all the companies and for the entire industry themselves. Right. Even if there are some decreases that happen from the uh, private capital, which in some cases it has seen in some in some way you haven't. But um, I think that it, for us, it still represents an increase in economic activity. Right. Because from the public side, you're increasing some of the of the contracts for a lot of the customers. And if the customers are needing to ramp up their activities. Well, then the frequency in which they launch and the frequency in which they do an activity over here, the number of people that you need to have inside, the number of jobs that you have to create, uh, perhaps in TRC or maybe in cruises, those numbers also continue to increase. So I, I think it's kind of like a balance, right? So the level of activity, perhaps from the private side or from the private funds, uh, where, where I wouldn't say that decrease, but slow down a little bit, right? And then the level of activity from the public side and public customers that that increased as well. So, so for us, it has been a positive, good, good way actually because it has balanced out. When you look at, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, but when you look at at the 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 big coastal spaceports, and I'm thinking mostly Cape Canaveral and Vandenberg, and you talked mm -hmm. a little bit about what makes you competitive in that arena but what does it take to convince a launch company to say you know what we, we've got this great thing in new mexico um as opposed to going to one of the big two right so it, i think that we're perfect for a lot of companies uh so what it takes is is, is a lot of, of of talking right what it takes is going out and doing the outreach and, and actually meeting the, the folks and actually sitting down and, and noticing exactly what is it that they need in us talking, okay, yes, we can accommodate this. Yes, we cannot accommodate this. Because so that's that's what it takes, right? To going out and, and being out there and, and communicating with people and actually finding the right person on the other side that can, can communicate the, the idea to you. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right, right? So one of the perspectives that we have seen is that as some of the... Um, of, of the coastals, right? What you can do at the coastals is very different from what you can do here, especially because of the orbital, right? Mm -hmm. At the coastals, you can, you can have your two stage or, and it can fall and it falls on the water. So it's, it's not that big of a deal, right? Whereas here it's inland. So you would have some of those other perspectives happening because it, it, yes, it's a big facility, but once you are very high in space, 600 kilometers above, I mean, it, it's, it's a completely different thing. It's right. not so, it's not so large anymore, right? Uh, so th those are the things that we have to keep in mind, uh, that we have, I think, a niche in the suborbital and that here, here's the other thing. We also have a, a level of activity that we're seeing increasing because I think that the frequency of the flights that are happening in some of the coastal spaceports um, is increasing. So I think that their schedule is getting full as well. So since their schedule is getting full as well, we're also getting calls as to, okay, what are some of the things that we can do in some of the inland spaceports, which is in our case, and, and we're seeing some activity ramping up because of that too. 
you're you're very right on that. I think last year SpaceX alone did 50 launches, um, and probably the bulk of those were from Cape Canaveral. When you add in everybody else that launches from down there, and as I said, that's just down the road for me here in Florida. Um, right. it, it's it's a lot of activity and. Mm-hmm. There needs to be, particularly, I would think, for the suborbital market, uh, someplace else that they can go that they just don't have to worry about the traffic. Exactly. Exactly. Tell me a little bit about kind of some of the non-space-related activities there at Spaceport America, because I know uh, back when I was writing in the aviation business, there was, um, I know that Spaceport America was one of the places that was involved in the BVLOS uh the, the beyond visual line of sight flight for drones is that still going on out there and are those kinds of things part of your overall business plan oh yes and we have actually seen a ramp up in some of those types of businesses uh three of our tenants actually now that i think about it three of our tenants are drones right so or sorry are in the drone business not that they're drones but they're in the drone business uh we have also seen some growth uh, mostly in the communication side which is interesting right uh you can you can have some aspects in the in the roles in the communication side with some of the growth that we have seen and we also have a lot of as, as i was mentioning a lot of the experimental types of things right so we do have the restricted airspace that allows you to do a lot of things but in many cases you don't need the restricted airspace right you just need a a, a flat place in which you can conduct different types of things with safely right so one of the key aspects that we have is that we have a 24 7 ems security and fire on site at spaceport america all the time so whenever you have to turn something on fire or you whenever you have to check the stress one specific aspect of your operations or your apparatus you can do it at Spaceport America. We, we we contain, we can see the, the different aspects and we have the capacity to do it precisely because we have all of those services immediately available, right? So we can conduct the businesses in two days, right? Depending on the, the, the type of activity that we have, for instance, we had we had a customer that came in, they were testing one specific aspect about the specific apparatus and they did it in two days, right? And it was it was quick, it was fast. They're close enough that they could travel to Albuquerque. They're close enough that they can travel to El Paso. So it was uh, one of those ways in which they could do it. So yes, we have a lot of testing uh, from the non-aerospace side. We have a lot of uh, drones. One, three of our customers, so of our tenants are actually from uh, located in drones. And we have actually seen some growth in the communication side. Um, so we have seen all of those areas as well. Um, we, there's other customers that are that are coming in and that are also looking for more on the manufacturing side, which is interesting, right? Because we, you wouldn't think of the spaceport necessarily as a manufacturing side, but you would think of us some of those at that additional value added. Um, we're still in talks. It's it's nothing official yet, but but yes, it, to me it was interesting that the, the, there was interest even from from that perspective happening at Spaceport America. And, and we're highly interested, right? Because as, as Virgin continues to increase the use of the airspace, along with some of the other providers, uh, the, even the use of our airspace is gonna be um, with more traffic, right? Because we still have to coordinate with white science. So what we would need to do is start focusing and diversifying, right? Um, our industrial base so that we have a lot of customers that do not necessarily need to use the airspace, but still that represents our revenue, that still represents jobs that still represents an economic impact to the state and to the cities uh, that are surrounding us and to the counties that are surrounding us. 
Francisco, we're just about out of time and we ask all of our guests this question. So I want you to look out over the next 10 to 15 years in space commerce and the role of Spaceport America and tell me what you see. Oh, what an exciting question. Thank you, Tom, for that question. I, I do see us figuring out a way in which we can make Spaceport America a hub for both logistical aspects in aerospace we can see a high frequency of the travel. We're right now thinking about ways in which we can use, um, make use of the rail that, that is immediately in front of Spaceport America, right? It's it's immediately adjacent to it. It's not, it doesn't necessarily connect yet, right? But I, I would not see it as something far-fetched that we can start thinking of Spaceport America and having this use of the restricted airspace as having that value added, that additional production, right? Into how can we deliver things across the world in two hours, right? Having that ability to do it in a fast way, in a safe way, and how can we make it happen worldwide in a faster way? I see ourselves as having a role to play in that specific area. I really do. So I think that we we currently have this, not just because of the, of the airspace, but we currently have the infrastructure or with a few tweaks that we could do to the infrastructure that we could already start doing things of that nature. So I think that to us, and especially with, with the ramping up of services and, 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 the, and the, the growth in the technology that we have seen, actually, you have seen it with Amazon, right? You can order things and just delivered in two days and, and having that efficiency, well, how can we increase that efficiency to not just making it in inland United States, having it in two days, but having it in the world. Right. So that's that's one of the things in which I think there's a lot of potential for us. Additionally to that, of course, having all of the aspects of the aerospace related um, also with, with that reentry license that we're currently working on and, and some of the other customers that we could have going on at, at Spaceport America. And, and ultimately, uh, looking at the orbital, hopefully in the future, right, if there's a vehicle that would be safe enough uh, to be using the spaceport, this inland spaceport, um, potentially for orbital as well. So those are probably the three major areas in which I would see um, our spaceport playing a crucial role in getting a greater niche of the markets that we have from, from that perspective. Dr. Francisco Perez, thank you very much for joining me on the Xterra podcast. It's been an interesting conversation. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for the invitation and let us know how can we help and we'll, we'll be happy to assist. One of these days we'll come out and visit. I like New Mexico. <laughs> I like New Mexico too. Uh, good. There you go. Dr. Francisco Payeras has been selected as the new Director of Business Development at Spaceport America. That's going to do it for this edition of the Xterra Podcast. Check out our YouTube channel and be sure to click on subscribe so you can stay up to date on developments in space commerce and be notified when we post new videos. You can also get daily space commerce news at XterraJSC.com. And one thing more, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at XterraJSC. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for joining us.